Hi, everyone. Welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sallerson alongside John DeShazer and Jay Roaming. We have a great Friday show for you, a busy one here in the Crescent City tonight, the Saints Hall of Fame induction ceremony with our very own Jay Romig. Saturday, Pelicans and Cavs from the Smoothie King Center. And on Sunday, it's the Saints and the Bears. Guys, first of all, thanks for joining me. Hope all is well. We had a busy weekend here. Well, I've got no choice. I get paid by the organization, <laughs> so I've got to be here. So, but yeah, it's always good to be Thank around. you, Daniel. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Well, of course, Jay Romig is the recipient of this year's Joe Jamelli Florida Lee Award. He'll be uh, recognized tonight at the Saints induction ceremony, joining Jonathan Vilma and Carl Mix. So first, Jay, congratulations. What, what, were, what was going through your mind when you heard the news that you were getting this honor? Well, we first heard last spring, and uh, I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I, I was I'm very humbled and uh, to get the award uh, for a number of things. My dad got this award in 2009, and to receive the same award he got, and to get an award for something I love doing, and uh, I've been. This is my 41st year here, and it's just. Um, I, I love being around, you know, working, and and it's just it's just it's a very humbling experience, and and then to go in with Jonathan and Carl is good too. This is the first year that um, Super Bowl teams, uh, their the players from those teams, can be nominated and elected, and so that's pretty neat too to be to go in with those two guys. You have a speech ready. Uh, do you, uh, do you, are you ready to it? I know JD can help you out if you need it. Uh, no, he can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, For a small I've fee, yes, he can. Put together a couple of things, but I keep trying to, I don't know, it's probably going to come just from the heart and from the, you know, just right off, you know, just with my tongue tonight. With a, I have an idea what I want to say, but I'm going to try not to have any tears. That's the, um, that, that'll be the big thing. I've got to ask this, Jay, because I really, I think I know, but actually I probably don't. What do you do? Or what have you not done? Everything. Maybe that's the maybe that's the better question. What have you it's, not done in this building? It's probably uh, I do everything nobody else wants to do. JD, that kind of thing. No, I, <laughs> I've I've done all kind of stuff. I've been a, I started as a trainer back in 1977 uh, as a student trainer. It was supposed to be a two week two week job, work training camp, and it stayed. They said, can you stay during the season? And then can you stay during the off season? And I've just never left. So I've done a lot of. Uh, I was the head of our data processing department for a while. Then after Katrina, I became more involved in logistics and the administration. Um, uh, training camp uh, director, uh, uh, take care of all the company vehicles, uh, just different things, a lot of facility stuff, do the team uh, advancing, help with team travel. So, so as you can see, there are, Jay doesn't have enough head for all the hats that he wears. <laughs> I'm, but to be going into the Saints Hall of Fame alongside your, your dad, Jerry, um, what was that like for the family when you guys received the news? Oh, they, the family was just ecstatic. I tried to keep it quiet for, for a little while because the, they asked you, I think we found out like in early April and they're not, the announcement's not till May. So they, but I was just, I, I couldn't keep it quiet for too long. So I had to tell my mom, my mom's just, uh, just beside herself. She's so excited. And it's, it's, you know, my dad was like my idol growing up. He was, um, family man, a good Christian man, and uh, he loved sports and he loved the Saints. And I, I used to help him spot in the, my, the early years before I um, before I started working for the Saints when I was in college. And I'd, I'd sell programs at the Tulane and Saint games. And at the Saint games, after we finished selling programs, I'd go in and help him spot. So that was kind of neat. And then, uh, then they did begin working for the Saints and working on the sideline and doing different things like that. Just uh, his love for the Saints uh, kind of uh, was just uh, spread through the whole family. 
and it's um, it's it's just thrilled today, so it's pretty neat. Gee, are, are you trying to make me cry right now, or is no, that no. you crying? No it's tears. Not, it's not me crying. It's you. No tears. <laughs> I'm, I'm tr thinking about getting those uh, the goggles, the baseball players. <laughs> so if I am tearing up tonight, nobody will be able to see it, and I'll be out. Uh, it'll be better for me. Yeah. Jay, to go through this with Jonathan and Carl, obviously guys that you spent some time with during their Super Bowl run. I'm sure you've met so many people. You've built so many relationships. What does this say about that experience, knowing that you've met so many people and keep in touch with so many people throughout the years? Daniel, that's that's the that's the really one of the most exciting and, and rewarding things about, as you know from your job and JD, the friendships you do make over the years with um, players and uh, some that I'm you know still friends with today, players and coaches, and that that, that you continue. You know, some come and go, but some still. Still like Archie and uh, guys go back from no days. Kenny Bordelon was here. I went to high school with Kenny Bordelon at Brother Martin when he was LSU, but he was here those first years. Those kind of guys. And then and Jonathan, and as you get older, you know, you, you kind of really, um, those relationships become more special. And, and, um, and those, it, 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 it's, 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 they're invaluable. It's just it's something. That's what makes it so good working in this kind of occupation and working for you. Yeah, in 41 years, I would assume that you have had other opportunities to lead the organization. Why? remain for well, you know I, that's um when jeff duncan was talking to me the other day for his article he asked me the same question he goes uh and i've never really thought about leaving you know you, you know I, I really uh i love what i do and i've never um you know i i've uh i've never looked and uh i've just um i just love what i you know love what i do so it's it's uh i guess it's different i love new orleans i love the city and i've always you know loved the professional and college and high school sports here i mean it's Yep. Next thing, are you capable of, of hosting the black and blue or or tweeting <laughs> on game day? Because you know we can always use uh, that. I have to have a few minutes available <laughs> on game. You know, I'm doing the scoreboard on game day, but I could probably in between plays I could tweet a little bit or just something. I don't know about this. Y'all do a great job. Yeah, with you're it. much more qualified to do this than I am. So I uh, about that. before I let you go, this is going to be a tough question, but in the 41 years, and I might know the answer to this. Do you have a favorite memory? I know the Super Bowl is probably way up there, but is there something that sticks out to you when looking back at your 41 years here at the organization? I the Super Bowl definitely that yeah, that's got to be the top. Um, you know, it's funny. The uh, this is kind of a, a, a weird memory or different, but the year we went one in fifteen, uh, Dick Nolan was coaching, and uh, we uh, we were like zero and thirteen, and we won that our won our first game in New York in the Shea Stadium, beat the uh, Jets in a snowstorm, and that's something I'll never forget. It, it felt like we had won the Super Bowl just because the, the feeling and the emotion, everybody. That that was that you know that's a kind of a, a negative or a down, uh, but it was such a, a big moment for, for everybody in that room. It felt you know just to get that to win that first game. That was a big one. Um, I mean, there's so many the training camps, I've, uh, all the places, just the people you meet and the you know where you go, and it's uh, it's all great. You know, I, I one final thing. Um, are you comfortable with this, Jay? Because I mean, you're a guy who's in the background, and you've always been pretty content to not be in the limelight. Are you? Comfortable no, with I'm not. I don't like. I, I'm really uncomfortable by all the. Uh, I rather, you know, I'm. I want to get today over with. I, uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, my phone's been blowing up, but it's um, pretty neat. But I, let's get to the ball. <laughs> so you don't want to keep talking for another hour, right? Uh, I, if you want me to, I okay. guess we could talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jay, there's no one more deserving of this award than you. We really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy this experience tonight. I know you want to get through it, but uh, we're so glad to have you on. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Daniel, J.D.
All right, so coming up on the show, we're going to hear from Drew Brees in just a few moments talking about their preparation for the Bears on Sunday. We'll also hear from Rod Walker from The Advocate. Had a great story about Mark Ingram and his extra special Lambeau leap from this past weekend. But first, let's go to Drew Brees talking about the Bears for this Sunday. Especially quarterbacks, what's concerning about them the most? Um, they've been they've done a great job of, of getting pressure on the quarterback um, and just you know being in the right place at the right time and, and guys some guys in the secondary are making some great plays you know um, uh, safety who had two <laughs> two touchdowns last week you know picking up the scoop and score on the fumble and then um, nice job by the corner you know batting a ball up in the air and then him running underneath it to, to, to make the play uh, down the sideline again and listen those are game changers the week before at Baltimore. Um, the other safety made a made a similar play off of a, a deflected ball where you know looks like a punt returner you know returning that thing about 90 yards for a touchdown. So those are game changing plays. You know not only are you putting points on the board for your own team, but you're you know both all those offenses were in scoring position at the time. You know so um, yeah, that's uh, those are game changers. They listen, they're playing with high energy. What, what they do, they do very well. They mix their fronts. They um, they've got some big guys inside that 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 um, you know can wreak havoc um, you know if you allow that and, and they've done a great job with that so um, we got to have our work cut you know we got our work cut out for us to go out and execute efficiently with what we're doing and find ways to attack these guys offensively how, how satisfying was it for you guys to finish out the way you did against Green Bay on the field yeah getting first downs churning it out yeah um, it was good you know especially since we didn't you know, we didn't start the game the way that we wanted to you know two turnovers and you know them them getting a big play you know for a touchdown um, and yet we we stuck with the plan and we knew that you know if we if we just we were able to execute and possess the ball and do all the things that we preach um, offensively um, that uh, you know we could we could wear the, wear the a defense down and um, you know turn that into points and felt like we did a great job had great balance throughout the whole game run to pass uh, offensive line did a tremendous job in every phase. Both running backs did a tremendous job. Receivers not only catching the ball but blocking, um, and then defense came up with some big stops. So it's just a great team win. But you know, to go into halftime down at Lambeau Field, you know, and having not played very well, I think to you know to come back in the second half and really put forth that type of an effort says a lot about the team. Is there is there less pressure on you now based on how good the running game is? Do you feel like you, you don't have to you know? Throw for four touchdowns and 400 yards to win the game anymore. Um, I, I mean that, that's that is it's a good feeling <laughs> to know that uh, you know you you can run the ball effectively that you got you know a pair of backs that, that both do a, a phenomenal job um, both in the base run and the in the sub run game and um, you know just gives us a ton of flexibility you know gives us the opportunity to do a lot and you know receivers that can block and catch and make big plays. Um, uh, defense that's playing outstanding, um, you know, and is, is getting takeaways that have resulted in points, you know, for us offensively. I mean, listen, that's all that's all winning football. You know, when you talk about the formula for winning, um, if you can do those things consistently, you're going to win a lot of football games. Is this, with, with that in mind, is this, you think, maybe the best team you've been on in a while here based on all the, all the parts? I'm not going to label anything yet, you know, but uh, you know, we're only six games into a, a long season. Um, we got a lot of work cut out, you know, ahead of us, but you know, I like the direction we're going. I mean, to, to start off 0-2 and, and to overcome, you know, all that speculation, um, you know, and that, that, that slow start, I think, I think says a lot. And, and now to rattle off four in a row and trying to make it five in a row, 
listen, winning feels good, you know, but I I think the main thing is you, you just you have to ask yourself, are we playing our best football? No, I don't think we're playing our best football yet. You know, we're doing enough things well to win, but we're not playing our best football. So I'm I'm anxious to see what our best football looks like. Is it is that far off or do you think it's close? Uh, no, I don't uh, no, it's you said the same thing. It's not far off, it is close, right? Yeah. It's not far off, it is close. But uh, we we, we, we can definitely improve in a lot of areas. Drew, just not to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, but could you imagine have come to the NFL after 13 starts, which I think Trubisky had in college? Do you think you'd be ready for something like that after so few starts at Purdue? Guys, guys come into this league um, so much more well-prepared than they ever before. And credit that to you know the amount of football that they play you know, from – you know, said the seven-on-seven seven passing academies and camps and everything else through high school all the way up through college. And there's so much bouncing back and forth with coaches even from college to pro that I think a lot of the systems that are being run both offensively and defensively carry over. So I think a lot of what quarterbacks are asked to do at the college level, you know, and what they're seeing from a defense helps prepare them even more for, for this level. So, I mean, you see it every year. There's two, three, four guys that step in and, you know, they're, they're operating very efficiently, just like Mitch Trubisky is. Have you had any dealings him? with him? No, I haven't. I have, I've never met him. Uh, well, what do you Sunday's mean? game against the Chicago Bears. Welcome back. Cindy Robinson here alongside Rod Walker, columnist for The Advocate. And uh, the reason why we have Rod on, one, he covers the Saints and the Pelicans, but he had a remarkable story this week about uh, two fans that made it to Lambeau Field. Um, one is battling cancer, and Mark Ingram had the leap of a lifetime. First, Rod, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about this story. What, uh, how did this come together for you? Well, it started, um, the original story I wrote as soon as the game ended was about um, Mark Ingram and the leap and how the Saints have sort of made leaps of their own, you know, for this season. And that was the first story I wrote. And, um, and then I, all of a sudden there was this Facebook post from the guy's family showing Mark doing the Lambo leap and, Facebook post started spreading around, and um, so I was kind of curious, like, who is this guy? What's his story? And um, that Monday, as we were heading to the airport to leave um, Green Bay, I got an email from one of the guy's friends, and he kind of gave me the rundown of his story. And then all of a sudden, I'm trying to track this guy down before I fly out to New Orleans because I was scared someone's going to beat me on the story, actually. And um, so I ended up writing a story in the Milwaukee airport um, before I got here, and it just kind of that's how it happened. What's the best part about writing these types of stories? Because it's definitely a heartwarming, feel-good story. So what do you like most about those? I think, and it's sort of been the thing that I've always enjoyed about writing, is trying to find those stories that, are, that go beyond the X's and O's, because people want to read about people. And um, that was what I enjoyed about it the most. And um, just the whole way that everything lined up, even me being able to find the story, it all just seemed to fall in place. And like this story was supposed to be told, and um, the things that happened for this guy to actually get Mark to leap. I mean, there's 72,000 fans there. For Mark to find these two Saints fans just tells you that it was meant to be. Let's break that down, because you wrote it in the article, for those who haven't read it, though. The meant-to-be part. You wrote down a few things that are meant to be. Let's break those down. Well, I guess the first thing it started with, um, well, this guy's going through um, chemotherapy, and he takes therapy, chemo pills, three, three times, and he's off one week. And this happened to be the week he was off, and his friend invited him to the um, game, which fell on the right week for him. That's, that's how it all started. And then they ended up, uh, they didn't have tickets, they just drove up and 
found tickets on the internet um, Friday, and um, those tickets happened to be in the end zone. Uh, they happened to be in the end zone that the Saints were going in in the second quarter. I mean, if the Saints had won the toss and decided to go the other way, I mean, <laughs> Mark Ingram would have been scoring in the other end zone. So I mean, just everything just seemed to line up. And then even talking to Mark, you know, he didn't even he wasn't sure if he was going to do the leap. He couldn't. He didn't see any Saints fans, and all of a sudden he did see these two guys in this crowd of Green Bay fans, and he he made the leap. So, I mean, everything just fell into place for this guy, and it was, um, like you said, it was meant to be, and Mark also said it was meant to be as well, and that was before Mark even knew the story of where he had leaped. So who broke the news to Mark as far as letting him know how special that Lambo leap was? Not only to Mark, because doing the Lambo leap is something that most players dream about, but to tell him that story, how was that? Was that you that was breaking the story to him about who he leaped into, or how did he no, find out? Because I didn't even tell Mark. I, I talked to Mark before I even knew who mm -hmm. it was, so I don't even know if, I don't think Mark even knew until he read the story. I, I, read, I saw his tweet that day, you know, he said, God wins. That was Mark's tweet when he retweeted my story about it. and uh, So I think that's how he found out. And, and we talk about the, so many things that went the right way. There's also that factor of, you know, when you receive the kickoff or you decide which way you're going to go, that plays a factor in it. As you mentioned, the thing, the play calling, if Drew Brees doesn't audible or audibles on that play, that thing can be some different. So just amazing how this all lined up for you and how uh, this one man got the experience something like this. Right. And also, you know, he talked about, and I don't know if people saw the, the picture of the paper, the guys had on raincoats and they um, they un they unzipped them as the Saints were coming that way because they thought, hey, this might be our shot, and everything just, just lined up for them. Unbelievable. Let's talk about this game on Sunday here. Yes. Uh, Saints and Bears. Uh, you have a Bears team that's 3-4. and four. They're 2-1 and one since Mitch Trubisky uh, took over as quarterback, and you have a Saints team that's one of the hottest teams in the NFL at four in a row. What have you seen from the Saints team um, that you like when the four straight wins? I think the thing that everybody's talking about is the defense. Obviously, you know, that's something that um, they really play well during this, during this four-game winning streak. And, you know, talking to Drew Brees on yesterday, or day before yesterday, one thing he said he didn't think this team has even reached its full potential yet, and um, I think the offense still has some, you know, has to find its groove. But I mean, the defense is playing really well, and this week it'll be a different sort of test for them because the Bears love to run the ball. They're going to try to just grind, you know, grind the clock out and keep the offense off, keep the Saints' offense off the field, and um, so that's going to be a different test for them. You know, it won't be Marshawn Lattimore may not be able to dominate this game like he has during this winning streak. I'm calling this game the battle of the streaks because okay, yeah. we're both, you know, both got the winning streaks going. So who do you think will pull out the win? <laughs> I would definitely think the Saints, um, especially just being at home, and they, they seem to be playing really well right now. And um, you look at this, if, when you look at this streak, I mean, um, things just seem to be lining up for them as, as well. You know, um, they got a chance to play Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers last week, and this week they're getting a, you know, a pretty young, inexperienced quarterback. And I think I, I think that just, you know, bodes well for the Saints. You also covered the Pelicans, and uh, I hope you stayed up late for that one last <laughs> night. I know we're all a little tired this morning, but a huge comeback win for New Orleans, and just seeing Boogie go off against his former team. The team is 2-3. and three. There's been some spurts where you want to pull your hair out, and there's other spurts where you're like, wow, it's amazing what you've seen from this team through five games. Uh, what have you seen from this Pelican squad? Well, I've been, you know, you go back to that first home game um, against Golden State. They played well in that game against a really good team. And for them to go on the West Coast and go 2-1 and one is, is pretty impressive. And, um, and now they have a um, LeBron coming to town um, on Saturday. And something that people may not realize about this is that LeBron hadn't won a game here in the last four years. I mean, oh, wow. You know, um, so, you know, he had, even last year he had a triple-double in a game 
here, and Anthony Davis didn't even play, and the Pelicans were able to win from start to finish. So, I mean, that, that bodes well for, um, for the Pelicans. Have you liked what you've seen so far with AD and Boogie on the floor at the same time? Obviously, a small sample size this year because AD going hurt, getting hurt in the Portland game did not play yesterday. But in those first three games, have you liked what you've seen from those two on the floor at the same time? I have, and I think some of the role players are, um, you know, they're, they're kind of picking their spots and, and, and doing well. Is also like, I mean, Drew Holiday had some moments last night, and obviously the, the acquisition of Jameer Nelson has yes. been really huge for this team, and you know, so I like what they're doing so far. All right, that's Rod Walker covering the Saints, Pelicans, and numerous other things for The Advocate. Rob, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and we really enjoyed the article, and we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks. All right, so we're talking with the Pelicans next as they had the big win over the Kings, 114-106. to uh, Before we bring J.D. back and talk Pels, let's hear from DeMarcus Cousins following his 41-point, 23-rebound game against his former team. <coughs> you know, I was... Super nervous coming in. Um, you know the anticipation was like through the roof. So um, you know I could, I, I really couldn't wait for the ball to go up and we could just actually get to the basketball court. I mean, and not only to to get to this moment, but to have the game you did and the win the way you did. What was that like? I'm just glad to get a win. Honestly, um, you know we had a chance to win our previous game. We we kind of fumbled it down the stretch, and uh, you know. Kind of ran into the same type of situation tonight, and uh, you know, I think we grew from our last game. Um, we stayed sound, we stayed poised. You know, we pulled out a you know a tough win, tough environment. So, um, you know, credit to our team for that. Boogie, you guys were down by 19 in that first half. Talk about you know what was going through you guys, you know, to you know to pull it out to come back. Um, I mean, we knew coming in they would be juice, you know. Um, this was just a, a, a bigger. This was just as big a game for them as it, you know, was for us. So um, we knew they would be juice. We knew they would come in, you know, they come out swinging, and that's and that's exactly what they did. They're a young, energetic team. So uh, you know, are we. With that being said, we knew we just had to stay poised and you know just play the game out. Jeroen, that third quarter. Can you talk about that? Ovation. How much did you appreciate the loving ovation? I love it. Um, you know, I got nothing but love for this city. Uh, I came here as a kid, you know, left as a man. Um, as I stated, you know, many times, uh, got people here I consider family. Um, these fans have been great to me throughout the years, and, uh, you know, the love will always remain the same. Are you what? glad to have this over? So glad. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see y'all next game like this, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be there. <laughs> What did, what did it take for y'all to write the ship the way y'all did in that second half? Just staying poised. Um, we knew we knew it would come to a point where they would kind of run out of gas, and um, we knew we, that would be our chance to um, you know make a push. So um, once we kind of cut it to like I believe it was around 13, we, we knew we we knew we had them. And um, you know once the game went our way, they just them being young guys, they you know not to discredit them or anything, but they don't really know how to handle those situations yet. So uh, we knew we'd get them. Jeru scored 13 of those 26 points in the beginning of the third quarter. Can you talk about his performance? Drew uh, was incredible. Um, you know, we've been <clears throat> pushing him to, you know, just be an aggressive guard at all times. Uh, I feel like no guard in this league can guard him one on one. So, uh, you know, he came out and he was aggressive and he made some huge plays for us tonight. And, uh, you know, when we got that, we got that player, we're a tough team to beat. And it was a pretty big day for, for Kings fans with the return of Chris Weber as well. Uh, I saw you guys had a moment in pregame. What did he share with you during that exchange? That's between me and him. I'm going to say he kept it all the way funky with me. 
did a Bogdan Bogdanovich? Did he uh, hug you in the middle of the game? Looks like he came up and said something to you uh, during one of the uh, jump out. Bogdan. Oh, the uh, young boy? Yeah, um, did, he, did he come up and hug you or something? Uh, say hello? Or? Did he hug you? It looked like, yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I remember him speaking. I don't know about the hugging part, but, uh, you know, we kind of had a relationship. I, I met him when he was, you know, first well, coming on our team or whatever, whatever you want to call it. I met him overseas in uh, Spain. So, um, what's it, Spain? I'm tripping. Rio. Uh, Rio. Yes, Rio, my bad. So, um, you know, I was I, I was always, you know, excited to see him as a player when he finally would come over and, um, you know, he put on a nice performance tonight. How strange was it to see DeMarcus Cousins on the Pelicans and Zach Randolph on the Sacramento Kings? Not strange at all. It's the league? Yeah, it's the league. Yeah, I mean, the whole league has changed. <laughs> so. There's a million other things going on with this game, but how about getting that win without AD? I mean, you talked about that going to the. Um, we, you know, we want to be a team that doesn't make excuses. Uh, you know, we we're missing three starters, and um, you know, every night we're coming out battling. Uh, we're putting ourselves in a position to win games, and uh, that's all we can do. So we're gonna leave it all on the floor, and whatever happens, happens. What about the way uh, Jameer and Drew played in that second half? How big were they? Jameer has been incredible for us, and I mean, he's doing everything on the fly. Uh, you know, we had a, a play call tonight. He didn't even know the play. So, um, I mean, just that, that veteran experience. I mean, he just knows how to play the game. And, uh, you know, he's been huge for us since he's gotten here. All right, that's DeMarcus Cousins following his big uh, big revenge game over the Sacramento Kings, 114-106, your final score. John DeShazer joins us once again. And, J.D., will put your Pelicans hat on for a second here. Um, watching last night's game, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better homecoming for DeMarcus. 41 and 23, 41 points, 23 rebounds, especially how he did it coming back from 17 down in the first quarter. Well, exactly. I mean, if you're the Pelicans now, you don't want to put yourself in that situation. But to prove that you're able to overcome that has to give you confidence. Uh, Boogie was what Boogie has been since he's been here. He is a dominant player uh, in the league. There isn't a better center in the league. We all often say he's unguardable. And you saw it last night against Sacramento. I mean, the things that he can do at his size and the feet that he has, the nimbleness that he has, uh, are in pretty much incredible. And, and the good thing about the Pelicans right now, the Jameer Nelson trade, I don't want to call it a godsend, but my goodness, he seems to put everybody in the correct place. Uh, he gets Drew Holiday off the ball, and Drew had a much better road trip than he did the first two games. Uh, so certainly it seems like things seem to be trending in the right direction for the Pelicans. And now, no easy task now coming in on Saturday. How about the first two home games for the Pelicans? The Golden State Warriors, who are coming off a loss. Now the Cleveland Cavaliers coming off the loss. LeBron, as Rod said, has had some trouble here in this arena winning, but still going to be a tough challenge tomorrow, especially if AD can play. We're hoping he will. Yeah, um, thank you, NBA schedule makers, yeah. for Where's the creativity? <laughs> but I mean, and Cleveland's going to be a little salty. I mean, they want to win, and each one more is playing better, and Ian Clark's playing pretty well. So the Pels, again, seem to be... Fall, falling into the right rhythm at the right time. Now, can they sustain it? Let's hope so. I mean, this would not break my heart if the Pels did not beat Cleveland. I mean, because we're, we're talking about, you know, an NBA Finals team, a championship caliber team, but you certainly want to play them well. They played Golden State pretty well, all things considered. The big thing about that was they were coming off the loss at Memphis, and everyone kind of lumped the two together where they did not play well against Memphis, and they actually played a lot better against Golden State. You want to have a pretty good showing now. 
you don't want to have that moral victory. You'd actually like to win the game, and right now might be the best time to catch the Cavs while they're scuffling a little bit. They're kind of finding their identity. So if there's a good time to get them, the Pels are getting them at the right time. How much does a possible Derrick Rose return affect the game? Well, in my mind, not a whole lot because I just don't know how much Derrick Rose has. I don't want to say how much he has left, but Derrick Rose isn't the Derrick Rose we knew of five, six years ago. He's a different player now. So he can do those things in spurts, but he can't sustain it. And so that doesn't really frighten you that much. What frightens me more, actually, is LeBron playing point. Yeah. Um, because him playing point, he's a fantastic distributor. That's what he likes to do best. And if he can get shooters around him, he's got J.R. Smith. And J.R. Smith is not going to shoot that terribly the rest of the season. And then he's got guys like Kyle Korver running around. So he's going to be able to, to distribute, draw, and drive, and kick. And that's what really worries me more. I'd rather have him actually uh, playing small forward or four and posting up. And then you kind of say, okay, we're going we're gonna to play LeBron one-on-one. -on -one. We'll kind of let him do his thing. Up against Derby on the dive. LeBron, a hammer. Sobering, isn't it, with 50 seconds to play? You know what? He gives the fans. Get ready for the Bears on Sunday. And uh, Rod kind of touched on this as well as far as the quarterback situation. You had a young Brett Hundley against the Packers. Now you have Mitch Trubisky, who has three games under his belt, but hasn't thrown for over 150 yards. Is the game plan sort of the same between oh, those two guys? Absolutely the same. You want to put the ball in Trubisky's hands. He's completed a combined 12 passes in the last two games. Both of them wins, but they've been fantastic defensively. They've scored three defensive touchdowns in those last two games. They also run the ball. They run the ball 30 times a game for 126 yards. That's fifth most and seventh most in the league. So the Saints have to take the run away from him because if you've got a young quarterback, the best way to make him comfortable is to get him a great running game. And especially on the road, you don't want to put the ball in a rookie quarterback's hands on the road and say, okay, go win it for us. And Trubisky, while a high draft pick, has not shown the capability of going on the road and taking over a game. So if you're the Saints, you want to gang up on the run and you want to take that away from him and force Trubisky to be the guy. They, they kind of were able to do that in the second half against Brett Hundley in Green Bay last week. But Brett Hundley, extremely mobile, and he got out of the pocket a couple of times. It really gave the Saints some problems. Trubisky also is capable of getting out of the pocket. I don't know if he's quite as mobile as Hundley is, but he is mobile enough. But, again, you want to take the ball out of the running back's hands. You want to put it in Trubisky's hands and say, okay, if we're going to lose this game, it's going to have to be on your shoulders. But, really, they've got a really good defense. Um, they have 21 sacks. Akeem Hicks, we're all familiar with him. Mm -hmm. He's got six of them, and he's been a terror the last three games. He's, been, he's playing Pro Bowl caliber on the defensive line. So the Saints have to have whatever protection that they have. They've got to get that, get that pretty, pretty much straight, and they've done that so far this season. They've only allowed five sacks, so that's a testament to Breeze getting rid of the ball and a testament to the protection. But now, again, the Saints on the offensive line have some missing parts. Larry Warford's probably not going to play. So, Senio Calamente has got to sub in at right guard. Uh, Zach Streif is already out. So, Ryan Ramchek is already there. Teron Armstead is back. Didn't practice early this week, but he's going to be back in the lineup. So, that helps. But the Bears really give you a lot of trouble on the interior. And that's where the Saints have to be strongest with Andrews Pete at left guard and with Max Unger at center and with Larry Warford at right guard. They've got to be able to protect up the middle as much as anything. Are we seeing a Willie Sneed return and updates on Michael Thomas? Uh, Willie Sneed says his hamstring feels great, so we anticipate that he will be back this week. Not Wood, 
Uh, but we said the same thing last week, and he did not play, so hopefully he'll be back this week. Uh, Michael Thomas did participate in practice yesterday. He's probably going to do so again today, so we expect him to be back on the field. Mike, unless he's, like, on a hospital bed or something, he's going to play. Okay. Uh, and, you know, having Willie Snead back helps to balance out that receiving core. Ted Ginn had his best game as a Saint last week, seven catches, 141 yards. We know what Michael Thomas can do. Uh, Brandon Coleman, who we thought was pretty much hanging on to a roster spot for for dear life during preseason and now he's turned out to be one of the more reliable guys so you get Willie Snead back and that kind of evens things out and puts guys again in their places where they should be and Willie Snead's a great security blanket for Drew Brees they know what Willie Snead can do he runs great routes he's got fantastic hands and he's extremely reliable so you can always use a guy like that and are we gonna see a good amount of carries from Alvin Kamara as much as Ingram, are we going to go with Ingram more? Well, I mean, Mark's the bell cow, so to speak, for this offense. He's had 47 carries the last couple of weeks, come, you know, a total of 47 carries the last couple of weeks. And the Saints want to keep it in that 25, 30, 35 carry range between the running backs because that means they're controlling the clock. They controlled the clock for almost 37 minutes against Green Bay. Green Bay couldn't get them off the field because they could run the ball. And they've had some great running games the last two games against Detroit and then against Green Bay. Um, Chicago only allows about 110 yards rushing per game, so that's not fantastic run defense, and I'm certain the Saints will challenge it. And the good thing about it is they've been staying with the run. They've been dedicated to it, and you can only do it if you're committed to it. So you've got to eat those two-yard runs and those three-yard runs because eventually you hope that they become eight-yard runs and 15-yard runs, but you can't do it unless you're dedicated to it. And a lot of that helps by being in the game, not falling behind by a couple of touchdowns. Then you don't have to resort to the pass all the time. So they've done a good job of staying close, and then they're just dedicating themselves and staying with running the ball. All right, so it should be a fun weekend here. we got both teams playing Saturday and Sunday. Pelicans and Cavs at 6 o'clock on Saturday at the Smoothie King Center. Tickets are still available, 504-525-HOOP or pelicans.com. You can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans or also listen on 99.5 WRNO. Pre-game coverage starts at 5.30. Then Sunday, Saints and Bears from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, 12 o'clock on Fox, or you can listen on WWL. And, of course, we'll have full coverage on pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Guys, I don't know about you, but I'm hoping on Monday's Black and Blue Report we're talking about two wins here. Yeah. Yeah, That'd let's sweep nice. out the weekend. That'd be sweep nice. Sweep out the weekend. <laughs> All right, big thanks to Rod Walker, Jay Romig, for John DeShazer, Cindy Robinson. I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for watching the Black and Blue Report.